KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. This is a six-part special series called Dr. J's. I'm KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser. Yesterday, I told you about a gang shooting that happened just after midnight on New Year's Eve. Two women were on their way home from church and stopped at Dr. J's liquor store in Lincoln Park. They were caught in the crossfire of a gang shooting and killed. Even though it happened more than 15 years ago, the impacts of that horrific crime are still being felt today. On a Friday night late last year, a big group was gathered in the auditorium at the Jackie Robinson YMCA in Choice View. Well-known people were there. Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, newly elected councilwoman Monica Montgomery, and Tony Gwynn Jr., the son of the Padres legend. Catering staff were passing around trays of appetizers, and almost everyone was dressed up. That includes Armand King, who always looks sharp. Even if he's just wearing a t-shirt, he'll have on sneakers in exactly the same color. That night, he was wearing a red tuxedo jacket and black and red shiny pants. And he was stressed out. It was his event, a graduation ceremony for his nonprofit, Paving Great Futures, and everyone had questions for him. When should we open the doors? Why isn't the music working? Where are the pens? But he seemed to relax as he took the stage to talk about his programs, which work with students at lower-income schools and train people in culinary skills. And there's some people out here that are being neglected, not recognized, and oftentimes shunned. So use us. Not you. I hate the word use. Let's change it. You word. Utilize us to get to the people that need the help the most. Miguel Garduno. One by one, people who completed his training classes went to the stage to get a diploma. But when one particular young man was called up, King hopped back on the microphone. We're hijacking the stage real quick. I hope you don't mind. This gentleman right here is an example of what we're trying to do. This guy alone has probably stopped more gang feuds and uh, p- unnecessary homicides than will ever come out there in the news. And people like him will probably never get recognition for the work he's doing in the community every single day. So although you'll never see him on the news, you'll never see him get recognition in mainstream, but that's why we're here, because we're going to give him recognition. And we also got something for this guy right here that he had no idea King pulled out one of those giant novelty checks. It was written out for $1,000. The man receiving it was Musla Abdul Hafiz. It's hyphenated. Yeah, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was living in the neighborhood when the two women were shot outside Dr. J's liquor and remembers it well. When God let that happen to them old ladies, it shined a light on Southeast San Diego. You know what I'm saying? What's, really, what's going on out here? You know what I'm saying? Why, why is all these shootings? Why are these people dying? Ain't nobody going to jail because the police don't care. Abdul Hafiz said after the shootings, it was different and not in a good way. 
Man, like, you know, in Ferguson, they was rolling around in tanks and stuff like that. Big military truck, they was rolling around here like that. It was Operation Shut, Shut Down Skyline. It was a war against Skyline, the community of Skyline. There weren't actually tanks in the street, but policing did change in the area. Soon after the shooting, the police chief added a new team of eight patrol officers to the Southeastern Division and made sure the department's gang units spent more time there. I returned here to Southeastern Division, which I considered uh, returning home where I started my career. Lieutenant Manny Del Toro has been with the San Diego Police Department for almost 30 years and spent a lot of time in the Southeastern Division. He said he's heard the criticism before that after a shooting like the one at Dr. J's, there were too many police officers and too many arrests. Let's say we're investigating a gang crime and the, the particular suspect is believed to be from one of the local gang areas that, and I'm very open and honest with them that yeah, we're, that area is going to be flooded with, uh, with officers who are looking for witnesses, uh, looking for other potential victims and, and looking for some type of, of cooperation. He said police rely on lots of arrests because that can be the only way they get to talk to anyone. Uh, we don't get a lot of cooperation in the gang cases, so it forces us to, at times, take extra enforcement action in a particular area. But Del Toro also said that for every person who's complaining about over-policing, there's also someone who's complaining the police don't do enough. I asked them to put themselves in the shoes of the, of the community member who is a good kid, was, was a victim, uh, was really an innocent bystander. Don't we owe it to that person as well who would maybe even say that they're under-policing or that we don't care enough to put a lot of effort into it? And that's what happened after the Dr. J's shooting. Some people saw it as flooding the streets with officers, arresting everybody. Others actually became more willing to work with police. I was in tears and I said, you know, we've got to do something. This is out of hand. Abdur Rahim Hamid is the founder of the Black Contractors Association in San Diego. He said the shooting was a tipping point of already escalating gang violence. After it happened, he joined up with other black leaders from the area and started a group called Black Men United. I put out a flyer, you know, asking for information and a reward. And I said, brothers don't kill brothers and they damn sure don't kill mothers. Black Men United had multiple approaches. Some members went out to meet with gang leaders to ask them to call a truce and stop the violence. They worked on finding jobs for people who were in gangs and wanted out. And the group also started working with the police, which created a generational divide. And it really, to some degree, turned the young people away from being close with Black Men United because uh, they didn't want to be involved with an organization that appeared to have an alliance with law enforcement. We had a lot of elders from our community that were now reaching out to law enforcement to what they would say is, please come stop the violence. Armand King, the snappy dresser who gave out that big check, said the generational rift about whether to work with police still exists today. That was kind of like the green light to law enforcement to come in and, and just smash on, on black and brown individuals that, that fit the description of a gang member. Um, and 
their excuse was the community is reaching out for us to do it. Whether people liked it or not, there was more police presence and more community cooperation. It's hard to draw any direct correlations from this, but after the shooting, crime did start to go down. Two years later, the violent crime rate in the area had dipped, and in 2017, the rate was down by almost half. Along with boosting police presence, the police chief also did something else. He started a task force to solve the murders of the two women. But for many years, it didn't look like they were going to have any success. In a newspaper article a year after Carol Waits and Sharon Burton were killed, the pastor of their church said, we don't have any closure. If it had happened in La Jolla, we'd have closure by now. Tomorrow, we'll talk about how police eventually landed on a suspect. This series was reported and hosted by me, Claire Tregesser. It was edited by Tom Fudge and Suzanne Marmion. Video and audio recordings were done by Nick McVicker and me. Additional audio mixing and sound design was done by Emily Jankowski. Our podcast coordinator is Kinsey Moreland. Web producers are Elma Gonzalez and Chris Underwood. Check out our website at kpbs.org j for photos and videos and to listen to episodes you might have missed. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.